It's really hard to imagine that it's been over 25 years, really close to 30 years, since I originally interviewed Neil Anderson. He just released The Bondage Breaker. He had also released another book just before The Bondage Breaker, and it's called Victory Over the Darkness. In fact, it's been recommended to me that people should first read Victory Over the Darkness and then read The Bondage Breaker. And, but why would I go back that far to share with you today some excerpts, some statements that Neil made back then? Well, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, this teaching has transformed more lies than any other teaching I've been exposed to over these decades. I mean that sincerely. We have sent out thousands of copies of these books. We have encouraged people to go through the steps to freedom found at the back of the bondage breaker. There's also a pamphlet with just the steps to freedom. I've seen lives transformed. So as we serve the body of Christ, we want to present to you those things that we know the Lord has been using. And that is a primary reason why, again today, I'm going back to that original interview. Now, Freedom in Christ Ministries, founded by Neil Anderson, they help us to understand how the truth can set us free. But what is the opposite of truth? Well, I asked Neil, what about the problem of lying? What's interesting is his response goes back, again, a lot of years, but I am confident he would uh, repeat what he shared with me back then when it comes to the day in which we live. Do we live in a lying world or what? Our politicians <laughs> lie. Our kids lie. Our kids will look you straight in the face. No, I didn't do it. Mm. No, I didn't go over there last night, Mom. We're lying. People in bondage lie. People, anorexics lie. They lie about their eating habits. Alcoholics lie about their drinking. Well, who's the father of lies? Who's the origin of that? Who's the father of it? Satan is. Now, don't get in his kingdom, folks. Get out of that kingdom and get in the, into the kingdom of light. In him, there's no darkness at all. He is pure light. And you may perceive at times that truth is an enemy. It is not. It's a liberating friend. You know, the fear of getting caught is such a fear by people's lives. And then when they get caught, they're almost relieved. Go sit in a, in a, in a recovery class for alcoholics, and you're going to find the most honest, probably drunks yet, but honest mm -hmm. people you ever meet in your life. And I, you almost wish a good Sunday school class could be that honest. But I said, you go to a church, it ought to be the, the, the absolute epitome of a place where people come that are real, they're truthful, they're honest, they're, they're, they speak the truth in love. But sometimes we go to our churches and there's cover-up and there's hiding. I said, I've actually had people come to me. I went out of bondage for no other reason. I'm sick and tired of living a lie, hmm. of sneaking around, hiding, covering up, pretending I'm not. That's no way for a Christian to live. If truth sets us free, then, then let's face it. Lying or walking in the darkness is the antithesis of that. And I said, how many of our Christians are buying into this thing and don't even realize it? And, and that's their way of protecting themselves, by lying, by covering up, by hiding. I said, by all means, speak the truth in love. I mean, you know, we got to learn to do that, John. Mm -hmm. We've got to be honest, upfront, real people. Uh, you know, that's why I used to have students at Talbot go out and, and attend an AA meeting. Not that, that I wanted them to necessarily copy their program. I just wanted to sit in. I said, you're going to have people in your church who've got those kind of problems. What are you going to do with them? And uh, they all came back and said, I didn't like the cussing. I didn't like the smoking. But man, if I could get my Sunday school class to, to be, be as real. honest as these people were, we would really get somewhere. And I said, what a sad commentary in the church that you got to go outside of the church to be real. I said, dear Christians, you, know, you can't be right with God and not be real. The steps to freedom helped me to see the incredible power of the Word of God because part of the steps to freedom includes statements of truth. And I have gone through these on my own. I have walked through these with a number of different people. And I just there's something about reading these, especially out loud and proclaiming the truth that 
really you, you kind of sense that spiritual power is being released. The sword of the Spirit is brought out. And I mentioned this to Neil, and he shared part of his experience in leading people through these statements of truth. I've seen mm-hmm. people, John, take 20 minutes to read that. I, I've, you know, one gal actually was like her tongue was swollen up. I'd have to stop and pray against it. And it's like, I'm just reading this. Or I would have them say, as you know, we sit down because the major, we're dealing with a defeated foe here. So deception is the major battle. And I, I'll have them share. We don't lose control if they don't lose control in their own mind. So I have them share anything we're doing in opposition. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they will stop a number of times through this thing. I, you know, I, I'm hearing this now, or I'm thinking this. And the subtle stuff of, well, I'm just reading this. I'm not, I said, do you believe the Bible? Yes. Do you, are you declaring it now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Whether you feel like it or not. I've used that almost as a litmus test uh, of hmm. having them come back when they're all done, when you know that they're resolved their issues and they're free in Christ. You can see it in their face. Remember how hard it was to read that doctrinal affirmation? Go back and read it now. And what took them 10, 15 minutes before, they'll just sit down and a smile will come on their face and it's connecting. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit bearing witness with their spirit, the children of God. And it just reveals again the contest that they have been in and the deception and the lies they have believed. And uh, so it's just a doctoral declaration. Think back, John. You know, we're seminary graduates here. And you go back and you look at the Apostles' Creed. If I remember my old studies right, that, they, most people pinpoint that back to the first century. Right. Nicene Creed's been out for, you know, 1,500 years. But that has always been something the church has done. I, used, I remember as a child, it was, happened to be a Methodist, wasn't a Christian at the time, but I remember standing up and declaring that almost every Sunday, reading the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. There's something of value of publicly declaring this, I believe. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right. Jesus is Lord. For whose benefit are you confessing with your mouth? God knows the thoughts and intentions of your heart. You know what you choose to believe. I have to say, you're making a public direct declaration in, in the face of the God of this world. Now, I want to encourage you to secure some of the Freedom in Christ materials and take this statement of truth, this doctrinal statement, and read it out loud. Experience it for yourself. Proclaim the truth. The Lord uses it in tremendous ways. In fact, uh, Neil talked about one pastor who essentially began to utilize this in his ongoing ministry at the church. I had a dear pastor. He said, this is so real. So where we're at, this doctrinal affirmation, he just made it his, his doctrinal statement for his church. I'm not certain I agree with that because there's yeah. other things in here in terms of our beliefs and the Trinity and all that that's not necessarily mentioned here. But all it is is saying, this I choose to believe. Mm-hmm. And see, we make a statement in here that I think is kind of critical of saying faith is not based on how we feel. You say, well, I don't feel that way, so I'd be a hypocrite if I said that. And I said, that's the devil's definition of hypocrisy, to go against what you feel. True hypocrisy would be to go against what you profess to believe. What do you choose? What do you mentally choose to believe right now? Belief is a choice. You choose to believe. If I believe it, you can believe it. You choose to believe. That little simple concept of faith has escaped a lot of people because they're so bound up in, in their defeat and the lies they believe, and they say, well, I'd just be a hypocrite if I did that because it just goes against my feelings. I said, does it go against what you choose to believe? No. Then, frankly, you're a hypocrite to do other than what you have chosen to believe. That would be God's definition of hypocrisy. The devil's definition is to be hypocrites, to go against what you, what you feel, what you choose to believe. You're not saved by how you feel or by how you behave, but by how you believe. It's what you choose to believe. If it's truth that sets you free, and you walk by faith according to what God said is true, and our entire means by which we live our lives is by faith, then the critical issue is, what do you choose to believe as truth? Mm-hmm. And thy word is truth. 
In the high priestly prayer, Jesus said, I ask not that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. How? Sanctify them in thy word, and thy word is truth. And so all we're doing here is to, and to start to recognize the lies that I believe. Now, one of the steps to freedom has to do with rebellion. And I'm going to confess that when I first went through the steps to freedom, I struggled with this. I obviously had some resistance in my spirit. And I asked the Lord for help, and I prayed through and confessed my rebellion. We can be in rebellion against God, against legitimate authority, whether it be in the church or in government. But we need to walk humbly before those in authority. In fact, Neil had a great deal to share about this important area. Rebellion is just not an action. It's an attitude that we have. And it's a, it really, if you stop think about it, it is a, a great deal of faith that that says that God is going to work through something less than perfect parents and teachers and governors mm -hmm. and presidents. and But Scripture clearly teaches that we're to submit to and pray for. And that, frankly, that's one of the commandments I learned years ago that ends in a promise for us so that it right. may be well with us, so that we may live you know, in, in peace, for mm -hmm. instance. And we forgot that, but we live in a terribly rebellious generation. And sometimes people don't see it. They go to church, they critique the message. And they critique the choir. Do you like the music this Sunday? And do you mm -hmm. like the message? I said, wait a minute, people. You're not supposed to critique the message. We don't sit in judgment of it. It sits in judgment of us. We're not, we're not to uh, critique the choir. We're supposed to enter in and worship God. And people badmouth the governor, the prayer, the president, everybody that's in authority over them, they badmouth them. And I'm saying, stop for a moment. Think what you're doing here. You know, uh, there's no leadership that can withstand disloyalty. Uh, we're supposed to work for the success of those who are over us. We're, we're, we're supposed to be submissive. Now, I've got to caution this because there are times when I best must obey God rather than man. Mm -hmm. But we've gone way over the bounds of that. And uh, I hear people just ranking and criticizing almost everybody in authority over them. The most difficult man I ever had is a, when I was a pastor, one of my board members. I'm sure if you asked him, are you a rebel? He'd tell oh, no, you know. But every time I was around him, he was bad-mouthing the governor, me, the president. He was the surgeon at the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the hospital. And he couldn't understand why his kids rebelled against him. <laughs> I said, because you're a rebel. And, and he didn't see it. And I said, you know, it's such a very subtle thing by and large. The ultimate rebel is Satan. You know, rebellion and pride is why he lost his lofty position. You know, you're talking about the most beautiful of God's creation suddenly is cast out of God's presence. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, he rebelled against God. He's, his pride, I, 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 remember the statement? And I will set myself up. He rebelled against the ultimate authority in the universe. And, and so God has established all governing authorities, all governing authorities. And, and we can't bypass that. You can't be a rebel and expect God to bless you. <laughs> There's always that rebellious sense, I want to be my own God, I want to do my own thing. And, and we come to that point after a while that submission is not a dirty word. It's for our protection. To, to be under God's authority is to be under his protection. And uh, some people step out, they get shot, and then they come back under again. And I said, you know, you know, there's a right way to petition our authority. I think given to us in the Lord's Prayer, uh, our Father who art in heaven. So I, I approach my, as a wife, as my husband, or I approach my employer, for mm -hmm. instance. Do it with respect. Uh, you know, I, I may right now say, boy, I disagree with an awful lot of my president. Truth of the matter is, he's still the president of this country. Mm -hmm. I'm still obligated to pray for him. And, uh, you know, and I think God uses that as a means to bring that leader to Christ himself. So, you know, if you look at First Timothy 2, we're to pray for all those governing authorities, you know. Right. The heart of that thing is, is that those leaders would come to Christ. 
And see, we go in and we badmouth and we alienate ourselves from these people. Why not go in and say, you know, which I know some people do, and I've encouraged uh, pastors to get together and go into the mayor and uh, in town and what others and say, how can we pray for you that you'll be successful in your work? We respect your authority, you know, and whatever. And they look at you like, what brought about this change, <laughs> you know? But that's what we should be doing. And, you know, suddenly they realize they got an impossible job to govern the, the people here. And they don't, they don't really say want to turn their back at, at finding some spiritual resources here to help them do their work. But when the spiritual so-called resources come in and become their enemy, then they resent it. Next thing you know, they fight the church. Now, what Neil shared there goes back a lot of years, but it certainly bears application to our day. In fact, you can almost wonder if Neil was speaking somewhat prophetically. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's program. I want to encourage you again today to go to Freedom in Christ Ministries, and the web address is FICM.org. FICM, Freedom in Christ, FICM. Dot org, and there you can find more information on this important teaching.